0: We have to make money, of course, as a business, every entrepreneur knows this, but we, we believe in what we're selling because we're not just hawking something. That's one of these nice to haves for people that need this product. This is a game changer. It's a lifesaver. This is what keeps me going on the hard days. And this is what really invigorates our team on a regular basis. When we hear these sorts of things like, okay, we are making a difference. Yes. This is a job. People have to make money. I'm fortunate to be able to now make a living off of this business, but ultimately my passion lies in, in our mission. Welcome to the Work Less, Play More
1: podcast for busy entrepreneurs who are ready to ditch the hustle, stop burning out on busy work, and get back to having a life. My name is Lindsay Johnson, aka The Radical Connector, and I've spent the last 10 years teaching first-time entrepreneurs how to get customers and make money. Listen in as I chat with other hustle-recovering business owners as we share our top tips for, you guessed it, working less and playing more. Let's do this. Friends, I am super psyched that you're here today. I have a high energy conversation to share with you all about building a business that rips down stereotypes and also has a magical way of transforming you. Now, I have to warn you, <laughs> it is cherry blossom season right now and I I am getting hit with allergies and so you might hear me sniffle a little bit. I had to hit mute a couple of times to blow my nose. Oh, the struggle is real, friends. This week, I'm interviewing Marnie Rabinovich-Konsky, the founder, CEO, and chief anti-chafing champion of Thigh Society. Now, if you haven't heard of Thigh Society yet, they are an undergarment brand specializing in moisture-wicking, lightweight, and breathable multi-use shorts that are not shapewear. If you are somebody who deals with chub rub or thigh chafing or very sensitive skin that reacts to your thighs touching or seams in clothing, you are going to love these shorts. Marnie is one of those entrepreneurs who identified a white space opportunity based on her personal pain point of thigh rub. She innovated a solution and then brought it to market. Even though, as you're going to hear in the podcast, she was actually advised that her company might not do well because it was too niched. Huh. Hogwash. Without any related experience in retail, sales, manufacturing, or e commerce, she followed her hunch, quit her full time pension job at 40, and bootstrapped Thigh Society to $1 million in sales, pioneering a new underwear category of anti chafing slip shorts she calls chafewear. Thigh Society is now ranked as one of Canada's fastest growing companies, according to the Globe and Mail's report on business. And Marnie has been featured in Forbes magazine, the Toronto Star, Bay Street Bull, and several other notable publications and podcasts. Now, let me tell you, you are in for a treat. We really get into it today. We talk about what it's like to start a business by first solving your own pain points and what that looks like when that leads into you tripping into social issues related to the pain points you're solving and how good it feels to smash stereotypes and normalize important conversations that we all need to be having. We also touch on why it's so important to connect your business to a sense of purpose, something that will keep you going in the business, especially when things get hard. And I think most impactful of all, at least for me, as I was interviewing Marnie, was that realization that while you set out to create a business that transforms the world, oftentimes the biggest transformation happens from within you. Marnie shares some great advice on how do you turn that transformation into something that you can express out in the world. All right, friends, I hope you enjoy this episode. It's one of my favorites. Let's get into it. Marnie, what's
0: up? Hey, Lindsay, you know, living the dream. <laughs> living the dream. <laughs> I feel like you can't ask an entrepreneur how, how it's going. How are you? What's up? It is such a loaded question. It depends on the day. Depends on the hour. Depends on what call I just came off of, what meeting I just had. Yeah. depends. Right. Mm-hmm. right? It depends. Well,
1: we're here together. So we're going to say awesome.
0: <laughs> For sure. My favorite time of the day.
1: Favorite time of the day. I love it. I love it. Okay. We have so many fun things to talk about. I cannot wait to dive in. Now, we got connected, I guess last year, we were both on a, a panel. You were on the panel, right? We were both on the panel for, for BotCon's.
0: Bod uh, I think it was Thy Society was sponsoring one of the Bodcon events, the Beach That's Body event. Was.
1: Yes. And we connected yeah. there. Um, and it was awesome. And I was so delighted to get to meet you. And then I love the way synchronicity works. I, I'm getting ready to go to Australia. And I was like, I need some shorts to wear under dresses and skirts. Who is that person? Their company is Canadian. Who is it? I can picture them, but who are they? And then all of a sudden you you commented on one of my posts. It was like divine intervention. There yes. you are. Yep. And it's like, we've just been having the best conversations ever since. So here you are on the podcast. We're going to talk about some pretty fun things, uh, kicking things off with, oh my gosh, friends, it is spring. Are you excited for spring?
0: I am very excited for spring. I love spring. I personally am a dress person. Um, and I really don't like wearing tights and pantyhose who does. (laughs) So, you know, spring is the time to finally, you know, shed all those pants and sweatpants and jeans and, and, you know, Actually, bust out those spring dresses if you're a dress person um, and go bare legged so it is very exciting especially since as we know I don't know if your readers are mostly in Canada but you know we have two seasons pretty much here in Toronto that we joke about you know winter and summer um, or winter and construction I was gonna say winter and construction (laughs) winter and construction Um, but spring is one of those strange seasons because it's such transitional weather and like for example here in Toronto we had a bit of a snowfall last week which was Mm -hmm jarring um and traumatic (laughs) but we you know we sort of have to get used to the idea that the weather is definitely not dependable until probably june but uh, it's a nice day here today and you know i'm hoping that these you know above zero temperatures keep going because it just means we're closer to warm weather so i moved to
1: toronto from vancouver in 2011 Mm -hmm. and because I'm an outsider looking in or, or experiencing for the first time. One of the things that always shocked me, at least for the first two to three years is that there would be what's called the full spring where the weather would get really nice and warm for two or three weeks. And then it would snow mid, mid April, like second, third week of April, it would snow. And so I came to depend on that. I, I got excited for those couple of weeks of spring, but don't worry. It's going to snow at least one more time towards the end of April. And so it makes me laugh when people are shocked because I was that outsider being like, but it always does this. It's done this for the 11 years that I've lived here.
0: Well, I know. And that's the crazy thing because we all know this. Everyone who lives here knows uh-huh. this. For, for the record, I'm from Montreal. I mean, I've been living in Toronto Ooh, now. For even seven more years. snow. Yeah. I'm like, I'll show you what a real winter looks like. <laughs> you know, every time people start complaining here, I'm like, really, this is really not bad. Like schools get canceled here all the time. And back in Montreal, I was, I remember growing up, I was like, if you got a snow day, there had to have been like 30 feet of snow. Like there is otherwise there's no snow days, yep. no such thing. So yeah, I completely hear you. It's like, we should, we all act surprised every year when it's the same thing and we've all been through it. So I think it's just part of that like dance or that like, you know, converse, making small talk with other people. Like, hey, how's <laughs> the <or>, eh? <laughs> Well, I feel like Canadians are known for complaining about the weather. Like, Absolutely.
1: <laughs> and I'll tell you, being in Toronto, that was also a, a shock weather-wise for me. Here we go, friends. We're talking about the weather. Sorry. Um, <laughs> when I, I had no idea how humid Toronto yes. is in the yes. summer.
0: Yes, like it is extremely humid, um, and thank thankfully it's humid because humidity is one of the key culprits in thigh chafing. And yep. I think if had lived in a dry climate. I often wonder, you know, what I think I still would have had thigh chafe, but if I didn't, would I still have had the idea? I mean, the humidity is brutal. It just mm-hmm. leaves you feeling sticky and gross. I mean, so I have a love-hate with my curly hair. Your listeners can't see this right now, but, the, you know, if I have the right product and the humidity is my friend, and if yeah. not, it is just, it's not. It's like up in a ponytail, it goes. Yeah, uh, there you have it.
1: I, I do love my Toronto, my hair in the, in the summer of Toronto, cause I have a wave and it just, uh-huh. it just pulls it right out. Uh-huh. But this idea of, of chafing, cause I want to get into that. Um,
0: yeah, it's my favorite topic, right?
1: <laughs> well, and, and as a person who experience, I've incredibly sensitive skin. I experienced yeah. the chafe, even, even if it's not even if my legs are not touching, if it's just even a, a, if you say, pantyhose and comfortable seam, right? Oh
0: God, yes, pantyhose, and-
1: wool pants, polyester, right? all of that pants yeah. where the where the 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 crotch part hangs a little too low
0: and you get oh yeah, no, don't get me started on rompers, <laughs> mm-hmm. rompers, no, mm-hmm. no. That's why with rompers, it's always like, if you find one that fits you and doesn't droop in the crotch, you're like, oh my God, I'm going to buy 10 of these. So I like never have to look for another romper again. I feel like
1: that's a fashion rule. If you love it and it fits great, you buy it in every color. Like that's just the fashion rule.
0: I I mean, I do that. So
1: (laughs) I I have so many, I have so many duplicates. So many. Okay. Okay. Well, let's get back on topic. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. All right. So, okay. So, so tell us a little bit about that journey because I do love your product I do love that you're Canadian I do love the thoughtfulness that you put into it and I love that it's not a shape wear piece of clothing it is Mm -hmm. purely for comfort Mm -hmm. and and feeling good in your skin literally tell us about this progression how did you you come to exist
0: yes so such a great question I truly the way I like to start telling the story is I am the customer for this undergarment um I have always suffered from chub rub, and I know that that term could be controversial. Some people love it, some people hate it. We can get into yeah. that later. Yeah. Um, but I would always call it chub rub, and amongst my friends, that was always the term. And I always suffered from this horrible rash when my thighs would rub together. Anytime there was presence of heat or moisture or friction, and to be honest, my thighs have always touched, regardless of how my weight or size has mm-hmm. fluctuated. And I'm, you know, a byproduct of the Weight Watchers generation of like moms always on a diet, etc. Yeah. And so I you know, picked up on some of that and have a history, had a history of disordered eating and always on diets. And like my size would cycle from a size six to a 14. And yet my thighs would always chafe. And so, you know, I had uh, a kit full of, you know, not so great solutions for this. Uh, what my most dependable one was a, a black bike short, mm-hmm. a cotton bike short um, that was, you know, ratty and tattered. And I pulled it out one summer day, like again, back to our two season, <laughs> what we were talking about earlier. Um, it was the first hot day of summer in early June. And I went walking around downtown Toronto and had forgotten to mm-hmm. put on these shorts. I put on a dress and it's like that short term memory, like like Toronto winters like in spring. We know it's going to happen. But yeah, we forget because there's been so much time elapsed. So, you know, innocent mistake, forgot to grab my shorts, went out the door, wore my dress, walking around at lunch. And obviously like within 10 minutes, I would say my thighs started rubbing. I felt burning. I mean, very familiar sensation. I'm like, oh crap. Like Marty how could you have been so stupid? You forgot to put on your shorts. And so I waddled to the nearest shopper's drug mart, uh, grabbed some baby powder, waddled back, you know, this duck walk that's super awkward where you're trying to get your thighs not to touch because it's like becoming unbearable by the minute. You know, ran to the bathroom. You know, got a powdered all over my like black dress. It was a disaster, and I really was like, you know, proverbially shaking my fist in the air. There has to be a better way. Yeah. You know, these, these black shorts that I have at home are are black number ones. So they they would show underneath lighter colored things. They were on their last legs. You know, pun intended. I guess <laughs> I couldn't. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, I'm gonna have to go find something else. You know, they were they were pure cotton, so. Uh, They like absorbed moisture. Cotton is nice and breathable, but it retains moisture. And when you have an already sweaty situation down there, the last thing you want is that moisture sitting on your skin. I did have a backup pair that was more like a spandex, shiny, like... Traditional bike short, um, which was also equally bad because it wasn't breathable. Yeah. Um, and I just thought, you know, what are my other options? And so I hit the hit the ground. You know, spent all my free time that summer searching for uh, what I was looking for, which was, you know, my wish list: a long leg underwear uh, that was not shapewear, that was not men's underwear that typically would have some extra unnecessary fabric around the groin region and wasn't really made for you know my body or my shape. Um, and something that was breathable and seamless um, because I didn't want to have anything showing underneath my clothes. And like most of us would love to be able to like run around and, you know, dance around in bare legs, but it's not a possibility for all of us. And so obviously what I was looking for was the next best thing to be naked under there. Like yes. that's really what I wanted. And I, I honestly came up against um, no really good solutions. Shapewear was basically my only option, and I had not been a stranger to shapewear to that point. Um, I wasn't a regular shapewear wearer, but when I did use it to prevent shaving, it was a nightmare. Uh, it was number one, hard to get on. It got really sticky and gross when it on my body. Um, I never mind trying to go to the bathroom in it and then trying to pull it back on when it's all yeah. wet. Like just remember no one likes going to the bathroom in a wet bathing suit, like yes. similar example to like a sweaty <laughs> shapewear. And I honestly resented the idea that I had to squeeze into and shrink my body just to get some damn fabric coverage between my thighs. Like yep. It seems so unfair men have so many long leg options they have you know everything from like three inches down to like 12 or 14 inch underwear um, in varying levels of comfort and performance and it's like why wasn't there the equivalent product that I was looking for yeah. Um, and so I spent the summer looking and ultimately decided that this was a viable opportunity. I mean, I had some focus groups with some friends. I posted in what was then called uh, a fashionista live journal for those who've been on the internet for a long time, you know, and, and posted. And what I was noticing is, is that the only underwear I could find that were similar to what I was looking for were specifically offered in plus sizes only yeah. So there was no acknowledgement that this was not necessarily exclusively a plus size issue. And I knew that it was not a plus size issue. I knew it was an issue for anyone whose size that touched with sensitive skin yeah um, and I also knew uh, and started and started to uncover, and my research was sort of proving it time and again, that it that weights and thighs touching were not the reason why chafe was happening in the first place, because I was meeting women who were, let's say a size 18 who had never experienced thigh chafing in their life, and yeah. women who were size two who were telling me, "Oh yeah, I've always, my thighs have always chafed." Yeah, and so yes. I thought, you know, there's there's an opportunity here, not just you know, to broaden the options available in underwear for women and non-binary folks, but there's actually like I became very passionate about wanting to demystify and destigmatize yes. the idea of chafing and, and normalize it. And and remove this false assumption that it had to do with your weight or the fact that you were plus size. And so that was 2008, (laughs) not 2018, 2008, (laughs) a long time ago. Um, And then I launched in 2009 um, and so, and we've really, we've been doing this. We like to say, you know, we do shorts and only shorts, like underwear shorts. They're, they're built with a cotton crotch, so you can wear them as underwear. Yep. And we've evolved over time in terms of what um, fabrics that we've had available. We've been able to increase our size range over time, although we have been fairly size inclusive since day one, um, you know, before that was trending to be, you know, I, yep. it, w- it was, it, it's baked into the brand that we, we want to make sure that people know they are, they're welcome. Uh, we want to help people feel comfortable and confident in their skin because you know something else I am thinking about now with shapewear is I don't think anyone ever feels good putting on shapewear there's a there's an inherent shame around it there's there is because immediately you're like well I'm putting this on because I mean and I'll okay I'll caveat this some people wear shapewear to help with swelling. So the compression of shapewear can actually help with a lot of skin issues, lymphedema, that sort of thing. But I want to put that aside and talk about people who are, you know, myself included, who have put on shapewear, you know, for body slimming. And the reality is when you're doing that, you don't feel good about yourself putting on that shapewear. How could you? You How could you, You, you're feeling shame, some sort of body shame, whether you're conscious about it in that moment or not, there's something underneath the surface. That's telling you, this is why, you know, society is telling you, you need to slim out your lumps and bumps and smooth them out in order for you to be considered acceptable by Mm -hmm. society's beauty standards. And I really fundamentally resented that. And I thought, you know what? I really was always thinking, why do I have to feel like crap about my body just to get some thigh coverage? like this does not make any sense at all. Do you think men feel bad when they put on long leg underwear under their jeans? Do any of us feel bad or even give a second thought to putting deodorant on in the morning to prevent perspiration, sweat, BO under our arms? No, because it's normalized. And and that's the real, that's what I really started, you know, sitting on and saying, this is not right. And so I am solving a literal pain point of, of chub rub. And I say, I, I mean, we, my team, my brand, all of us, we are really focused also on the, on our mission of helping people feel good in their skin and confident. And like, I'm, I'm not against shapewear. If somebody wants to wear shapewear, more power to you. We're all free and we are able to wear whatever we want, whenever we want. But I wanted an option for myself under long dresses, maxi dresses, sheer pants, where Shapeware was, was not called for, you know, yeah. it was just, it was not needed at all. Well, and so. and to,
1: I want to dive in. Cause you've said so many really good things there. I mean, I think first of all, I love that your business, like so many entrepreneurs, your business is built off a, of, off a of problem you were having. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And it's like, you, you were like, why is this not a thing? But then what I really think is so powerful is that yes, it's about solving the literal pain point that you, what you just said, but it was also this. I don't know if you want to call it an an anger or or a fire. Yes. Around, you know, why is my only option connected to some sort of shaming of my body and having to yes. teach my body? Yes. And I, I remember like, even so, so same thing. I've always dealt with that, um, that quote unquote, rub. that's what we learned to call it. Cause it was learned to be associated with people with thick thighs. Right. And I had never really minded that. I thought it was kind of a cute term, but mm-hmm. I also bought into it that it was just for people with thicker thighs, just for people in, in larger bodies. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I tried everything. I bought all the fancy sticks that you would rub rub on there. I bought the, the powders. I bought the little things that you would pull on. That when you would you just wear around your thighs? Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. it didn't work. They just fell down. You know, yep. I tried so many things, and and shapewear—it just never was an option because it's usually in the summer and it's hot, and I don't want to wear this unbreathable. You know, and so yeah, like I've been, there and I think most people can relate. And it's not till this year that I found out it's a lot of women, just not not just plus size women people, or I should say, a lot yes. of people, and not just yes. people with with thick thighs. Like, no. Can you imagine then, you know, we, we live in a world where media and society and capitalism and patriarchy are constantly telling, uh, especially people who are are women or femme identifying that your body is not good enough, the way you look is not good enough, you must buy these things and change your very existence, and it's just... Oh, it's infuriating!
0: <laughs> it's infuriating, and and yeah, I I agree with everything you said, and I like to joke that I I built Thy Society on resentment. This is yes. built on resentment. I, I couldn't stand the idea that there were such limited options, and you know, to be, to be clear in the early days of my business, I was told by a lot of people that this was a really niche business. And how was I ever going to be able to grow this as an entrepreneur? And maybe it would be a nice hobby or a passion project, but it could never really become a big business. And I believed uh-huh. some of that. And I was like, you know what, though, you can have a good business in a niche. And, and I do believe that to be true. You, you can, if you find a niche that you're serving for your business, you can make a nice living that way. But as time went on, and as we started opening up the conversations and having more talks about chafe and how it affects so many people, and it's not a weight thing, you know, it became very obvious that this is not a niche item. Was the the person that gave that advice a man? Uh, A combination, but actually one was a woman and she is a a, a very successful woman, a television personality entrepreneur, as a matter of fact.
1: And yes. like, that's my first thing is I'm like, everybody needs these and everybody,
0: like literally everybody yes. like, yes. And, and her feedback was, well, we have shapewear already. <laughs> and I was like, but no, you're missing the point. We don't want shapewear. I, don't
1: want shapewear. You know? I remember going out. Oh gosh, this was, this was fresh after my divorce. So I was single and ready to mingle friends. I was living it up. And I had gone to the club to go dancing with my friends and I was Wearing a really cute uh, dress, and I all I had was shapewear. We were in the Vancouver, so you walked to your destination, you danced all night, got sweaty, you walked home. The chub rub, the chub rub would have killed me. So I was wearing my shapewear because it gave me some protection on my thighs. Yep. But I was so hot and you have to understand shapewear especially if you're in a plus size body is big it goes up to usually up to your ribs and then it goes all the way down to your like your thighs if you've got your yep. shorts on they're big and so I had to take it off in, in the washroom at the club and I got my little purse and I've got these big like pantaloons like these big like, basically what do I do is I remember having to give it to a friend and I was like can you please not judge me and can you please put this in your
0: bag shove these in your purse we've all been there it's yeah, like did yeah. I bring a big enough purse to shove these so under because sho- <laughs> they're not going back on
1: <laughs> I, ended up having, like, I think I did end up putting them back on to leave because I'm like because like you said like that day in Toronto where you just forgot like I, I I've been there and it's it's funny because you talked about like the, the the sort of the penguin walk or the cowboy walk I'm yep. the opposite I like mush my thighs together and, and take little tiny steps because I'm trying to. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Or you can actually, the old hack is like, if you have an extra piece of clothing on you, or like take that shaper and shove it between (laughs) your legs, (laughs) legs. like literally, and then waddle back. You have that on your TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I have so many more TikTok ideas of like any of your listeners want to volunteer. I'm happy to chat because yeah, we there's, we've all been there. This is relatable content people. This is <laughs> not a niche thing. This is a universal problem. No. no. And I mean, even never mind, you've touched a few times on the shaper being hot and it is hot AF. Uh, and it also rolls down and the yep. legs right up. Yep. And it's like all of these things are defeating the purpose. I wanted to put something on and like, I, I say it's a set it and forget it solution, yes. put it on and you don't think about it. It's a second skin. You should literally forget you have it on. Yes. And we do, I love getting, you know, messages from customers who are like, I fell asleep in these and I came home at the end of the day and I looked in the mirror and that's when I remembered I was wearing them. It's like, yes, that's oh exactly what we're trying to get to.
1: So, oh my gosh, I, I'm so inspired. Okay. So you have started this business. Actually, it was really, really quickly. I'm going to backtrack again. You said resentment. And I just happened to watch this other TikTok with Brene Brown talking about, she thought that the root of resentment was anger, but she discovered that the root of resentment actually comes from envy. Oh, interesting. And it's so funny because this is before she even said it, I'm like, yep, I can tell it's going to be envy. And it's funny because if you think about that enviousness of men and what's available to them or that enviousness of like, you know what I mean? Like this envious of people who don't have to think about it, it's envious of this, yeah. you know, it, it really it makes you think about where does that envy come from yep. but to build a business yep. that solves your problem, that solves other people's problems and is also based in. Um, <laughs> resentment. You know, in 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 smash these harmful beliefs and systems that are forcing us to do things that don't work for us. Yeah. How big of a role does that play
0: in your company culture, in your mm-hmm. branding? Mm-hmm. So it plays a big role, um, and that's it's so. I'll say this: I mean, any entrepreneurs listening to this know that entrepreneurship is really hard. You know, we yes. started this podcast talking about, you know, your your moods can fluctuate by the hour some days. It's a roller coaster. It's a lot, a lot of work. It's 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 one of those things that I think if you have that fire in you where you're doing it because you are trying to either have a social purpose or solve a problem that is personal to you in some way, it can make some of those days easier. It can steady you on those days where you're ready to throw your hands in the air and give it all up. Yeah. So I'll say from that perspective, you know, for me, I've channeled that energy for good from a personal standpoint. And then from running a business standpoint, I would say that anyone that comes into contact with me or my team or the brand immediately gets schooled in what we're trying to do. And it's important to me that the people that are working on our brand are all having this, the same epiphany that I had early on in this realization of, you know wow this this thing that we don't talk about is actually totally normal and should not be pinned on a certain group of sized people because it yep. has nothing to do with that and so it certainly affects the way we talk amongst ourselves internally as you know as a team it is reflected in the language we use when we're talking to our community on social media and email on our website it informs everything that we do because First and foremost, we are, we're on a mission. We have to make money, of course, as a business, every entrepreneur knows this. But we, we believe in what we're selling because we're not just hawking something that's, you know, like one of these, like nice to haves for people that need this product. This is a game changer. It's a lifesaver and not a lifesaver. Maybe I go too far. Although we do get a lot of customers who have serious medical issues who are finding our undergarments as being the only comfortable layer that they could wear after surgeries or with certain conditions. This is what keeps me going on the hard days. And this is what really invigorates our team on a regular basis. When we hear these sorts of things like, okay, we are making a difference yes, this is a job. People have to make money. I'm fortunate to be able to now make a living off of this business, but ultimately my passion lies in, in our mission. It's it's our shorts are solving, you know, a literal pain point for people. And I hope, you know, in turn are helping people to actually realize that they don't need to be devoting that negative energy to their bodies and hating themselves for a totally normal problem. And, you know, they can dust off those dresses and those sheer pants and all the things they thought were off limits to them, yeah. you know, going on a trip, anyone's packing for a trip. You sort of think, what's the weather going to be like, oh, okay, well, you know, I guess I can't wear that. It's going to be hundred degrees here, you know, and we're giving people opportunities and freedom to choose to wear what they want to wear.
1: There's just so many things that we do and we're in pain and we pay for it that you're yeah solving for people.
0: Yeah. And I mean, for, for entrepreneurs, we're thinking about, you know, solving a pain point. Often the best ideas come from our own ideas and our own problems. We think we're the only ones. And then you start to talk to people and you realize, oh my God, they have that problem too. I think any entrepreneur has the ability, whether you're in a service-based business or a product-based business, you know, put yourself in the shoes of the ideal customer. If that's you or, you know, make a visualization of who that person is, what do they want? How can you make a product that checks all their boxes?
1: Yeah. So have you found that again with yourself, within within the company, within your team, mm-hmm. by destigmatizing Chubra, by normalizing these types of conversations, mm-hmm. have there been other things, ideas, beliefs that y'all have destigmatized or begun to normalize? I mean, I think.
0: I think, yes, I'll say, I'll make it, I'll make it personal. And I think it's interesting that, you know, entrepreneurship can be a very transformational experience, (laughs) you know, it challenges you in ways you never thought you could be challenged. It pushes you, Um, you know, you need to have that, you, you build that grit over time. If you don't start with it. For me, I would say I, when I started doing this back in 2008, I mean, I had had a history of. You know, disordered eating, which was completely normalized in in my generation and I think is normalized as well for most people nowadays where, you know, we would, I would do stupid things like and just manage my food and calorie intake and exercise to lose weight. And I had some maybe preconceived ideas of what my body should look like. And I was always dieting, et cetera, et cetera. And when I started the business, these were the really early days of Instagram. And I I made it my point to start following, you know, the then hashtag body confidence, body positivity, you know, it's evolved into something quite different nowadays. But back then I was watching, you know, creators or influencers. Then they were mostly bloggers. You know, the term influencer wasn't really created yet. And I was watching um, these women uh, who were in all different body shapes and sizes, although, you know. The most, most of them were black and brown women who were of size, who were wearing whatever they wanted, who looked stunning, who were so confident and where, you know, f- breaking all the quote unquote fashion rules. Like, oh, if you're, if you have a belly roll, you shouldn't wear a crop top and oh, you know, you really shouldn't wear any body con dresses. Yeah especially yeah. not shapewear, not underneath. And so I was watching these women. and I was just so in awe of them and inspired by the confidence they had to be unapologetically themselves. And these wow. women paved the way for what ultimately became more of this sort of body positivity hashtag, and then started being used more widespread for, from people in non-marginalized bodies. But I would say for me personally, this was a journey of my own body confidence issues and and self-esteem relating to my body where I started to, you know, and I was like just gulping down and and devouring any literature and articles and books that I could get my hands on to just, because I didn't even realize that this was a thing that there were people out there that were saying, you know what diet culture, we see you for what you are. We need to subscribe to your rules because guess what? Your rules are arbitrary and made up and rooted in the patriarchy and the male gaze. And we do not need this. And so The business was a really transformative experience for me personally and an evolution of myself and how I saw myself and how I started to shed those layers that diet culture imposed on me over the years. And Ultimately, it ended up seeping through in all of our branding. And Again, it's all interrelated. Um, That's because at the heart of it, I still have a very deep connection to this and I have a very personal mission um, around the business. My wish is that women in particular and and non-binary folks, that we stop... Uh, you know, we stop, we live in a society, unfortunately, that is very appearance focused and there's certainly systemic issues around people of size that we can't discount. And I think you and I had talked about this before that feeling more comfortable in your body is not the same thing as fat activism and everyone doing our part in society for equal treatment of everybody in all sizes. But I do think there's something to be said about the fact that men typically haven't had to deal with. A lot of the emotional time, energy, mental space around their bodies. The exception might be in some parts of gay male culture. There's definitely, as I would say an equivalent focus on body size and appearance. Yeah. It's just, it's almost like you have to imagine what would a world look like if we just didn't have diet culture, if literally nobody cared about what anyone looked yeah. like other than the sake of saying like, I love you for who you are and and everything. And, and that size wasn't relevant. So yes, I'm going off on a little bit of a-, well, a- <laughs> there's
1: a book that you recommended that I'm, I'm just listening to right now yeah. that is excellent
0: it was more than a body more by than Dr. a body I think that's what, what it is um, K. yes and that's fundamentally the whole premise of their book the, the, their focus put simply is what you look like should be the least interesting thing yeah. about you and that's obviously the goal I'd love in my lifetime to see society get to that point but I think it'll take another generation for sure at least this well,
1: book is great because it really puts in perspective um like how we, we have come to view the body as an object. We, we, we see ourselves and, and each other as objects first, people later, people second. Yeah. Yes. And how our bodies are not ornaments. And it is a really yes. great book, especially if you are new into this space of becoming aware of the objectification or the discrimination or the shame, like all these things in like diet culture, fat phobia, if, you know, and again, by the way, diet culture and fat phobia are not just, affecting people who are in plus size bodies it's affecting literally everybody yep okay and so it's a great book i recommend that that you read it really hopefully it'll piss you off a little bit get you fired up that's right to your point about what we see this change in our lifetime you know i i almost want to say that is an impossibly overwhelming question to ask ourselves. I think if we can ask ourselves, can I stop seeing myself as an object? Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. see myself as a person first, because when we do that, we begin to see other people that way too.
0: Yes. A hundred percent. And I, I think there is something to be said about it starting almost like a grassroots level at the mm-hmm. individual level, because let's be honest, the diet industry is about an $80 billion industry and growing, especially after the pandemic, because they love to shame everyone. All of us for putting on some weight during the pandemic, right? Like that's their bread and butter right there. And oh, sure. So, they're cashing it in right now. Oh, they're yeah. using all that shame to make it. Yep. Oh, yeah. All of it, all of it. And so I think you're a hundred percent right. You know, we, uh, something I heard once and it always stuck is that, you know, we, the things we say to ourselves sometimes when we're being self-critical about our bodies, would we ever say that to our best friend? Would we ever say that to a young person in our life? No, we wouldn't. I do think that the more we start to have more compassion for ourselves and open up that space to say, listen, I don't have to love my body every day. Who does? It's unrealistic, but you can sort of start shifting the focus away from how you look and focus on some of the things that your body does for you or all of the other Qualities that make you like who you are. Yeah. Yes, in turn, it opens you up to spread that message to other people. You know, you know, call out your auntie, whoever at the table who's you know, making an inappropriate comment at Thanksgiving dinner about how much someone's eating, or whatever it might be. It empowers you to say that you know what I have the tools. I can start having these conversations and making whatever small change I can make in my sphere of influence. Yeah. Well, you know? and and I think too also like like
1: remembering that what we find attractive, what we find appealing, what we are drawn to, that is by design. That is by social conditioning and media and design. And I forget what book it is. It might be what we don't talk about when we talk about fat, um, which is a great book, but it is also an intense book. I've had to fast forward through some of the stories and things. It's a little bit intense, but it's a great book. And, and I believe that's the one where she talks about, um, people, when they were in a study that was done, I'm going to butcher it. It's better in the book, but when they were exposed to images of fat bodies, um, very quickly, uh, adjusted to the point where their brains found that attractive and found that desirable, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but because we don't see it and we are told only this is what you should find attractive. This is what you should aim to be. And so we're all conditioned to think this is what is attractive this is what I want. Yeah. And then on the flip side, if you don't have that, the media is telling you, you are the, you know, you become the butt of jokes. You are undesirable. You are, a, you know, someone dates you because of pity or, you know, you are, you know, like, like, it's just, they, so then they're reinforcing that. So then that's what we believe. And that's how we see things. And so really, and I love the, the book that you recommended, which I've already forgotten again, more than a body. Yes. They talk about media literacy and, and challenging what you're being shown and what you're beginning to believe and how we're conditioned from a very young age. Mm -hmm. And, and that's why I say, when we start with first, you know, unpacking it in ourselves and, and, and processing this in ourselves, we begin to extend that out. Yes. You know, like you said, we start to see diet culture, we start to see the media for what it really is.
0: For sure. And you can, you know, th- speaking of media that we absorb on a regular basis, curate your social media feed, 100%. you know, start following people that don't look like you um, start following accounts that make you feel good. You know, I always say I'm against every sort of cleanse under the sun, except for a social media cleanse. Yeah. So that's the only cleanse that I'm pro. So go through your feed, you know, take a minute pause. What are you feeling in your body after you see some accounts? Are they leaving you feeling less than shameful? Or if you're following some fitness people, are they making you feel like you're inadequate because you haven't worked out that day? I mean, these are not the feelings that are healthy to be absorbing, especially with all the time we spend on social media. So you can use social media for good. You can curate your feed to, you know, broaden your horizons and for positive encouragement, whether that's about your body, whether maybe it's entrepreneurship, maybe it's following a whole bunch of varieties of different entrepreneurs with different messages, things like that that yeah
1: i love it and and the biggest thing that i'm already taking away from this conversation is what happens when you create something out of a need that ends up challenging stereotypes and stigmas but also
0: what happens when that business transforms you It's very empowering, I have to say. I mean, yeah, what look at that potential. It should be inspiring for other people to say, like, wow, you you don't expect your business to transform you. But I could see my career going in all kinds of different directions now because it's unleashed a really strong passion I have in myself (laughs) to talk about these issues and have these conversations. And it's like if thy society were not to be able to be a business tomorrow, which I hope never happens, but if it were. I would be on the speaking circuit and I'd be giving talks and I'd be doing podcasts and I would be continuing this message because it's so important to me. I feel very fortunate that to be in this position that it happens to be that I found a product that solves a need, but also has ignited this crusade, I guess, (laughs) that I'm on. Um, to keep the conversation going. And the more we talk about it, there have been other brands that cater to this sort of problem over the years who are also engaging in conversation. And I think it's great. It's not going to be one single brand or one, you know, it's never one single person that's able to change the change society's preconceived notions. So the more well, voices we have added to these conversations, the better.
1: Exactly. And I think that that helps a lot too, especially if you are somebody who is working really hard to make the world a better place and a more equitable place, a kinder place, is remembering that you're not the only one working on this problem. There yeah. are other people working on this
0: problem. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So, what advice would you give to somebody who is realizing there's more than meets the eye with their business and there is something deeper underneath there? What advice would you give them for Nurturing that within themselves, fanning that flame within themselves?
0: I think I would say start to dig. A little deeper into what your hunch is or what you want to learn more about. Treat this like a research project. Get curious. I think as maybe Jonathan Benness, I don't know if that's mm-hmm. the podcast, but getting curious, but be curious, be a student of your own curiosity. And so go online. We have Google that you can essentially find research papers, articles, you can look people up, you can do anything. So start Googling and seeing what you can find and immerse yourself in this world. Take books out of the library, like yeah. read. Start joining. Maybe there's some groups or forums online you can join to be a fly on the wall for some conversations and eventually, you know, or jump right into those conversations. Mm-hmm. Try to sign up for everything now is virtual with the pandemic, even on our way out. It's normalized, you know, virtual meetings and whatnot. I'm sure there's there probably are going to be tons of things in an area that someone's interested in where they could just, you can hone in or even like, is like clubhouse where there's like all kinds of conversations going on at once. But I think really it's about immersing yourself in it. And like, you'll know very quickly if this is something that feels like a chore yeah. or something that you can't even believe you've just been down the rabbit hole of like, and four hours have passed and, and yeah. you can't even believe it because you've just enjoyed it so much. And so I think that's really ultimately how you start to foster some of that. and also helps you uncover whether this is something that you, that is like going to keep your energy up. I used to be a career coach and uh, what I used to tell a lot of my students was, it's possible that we can be good at a lot of different things. But there are different activities that we could be good at that are energy draining versus energy giving. And you want to avoid those areas in your professional life if you can that are energy draining. I mean, of course, there's going to be times that you'll have to do things you don't want to do, especially as an entrepreneur. And Hopefully over time, the goal is to be able to grow and be able to outsource some of that stuff to other people so you don't have to deal with it. But inevitably, there's always going to be a little bit of something that you don't love, but it's just part and parcel. But if you can maximize the number of things that you're doing that you love that are energy giving, it's not going to feel like, Like you're working, you're going to want to seek out and develop and nurture these interests. It's going to feel additive to your life as opposed to taking away, and you know, I I don't love the term work life balance because it means something different for everybody. And my work life balance might be working 12 hours a day, but but maybe I don't feel like all that's work. Maybe working on a Saturday feels is intolerable to somebody else. But if the nature of the work that I'm doing on a Saturday, you know is is fulfilling to me and is satisfying, then it doesn't feel like work. And so well, and I, I'm totally jumping in. I I, I know I just kind yeah, of you jump, jump. I, I'm totally jumping in because you know I think when we hear the
1: term work life balance, we associate that more with like a career a corporate nine to five type deal. Sure. Sure. And you know, like what you just said is in entrepreneurship, when you catch on to something that becomes bigger than your business and bigger than you, it's not really work. Like, like to, to read and to learn and to get into a conversation with somebody, you know, like it's not, it's not fulfilling orders or packing orders or answering emails or doing your, your bookkeeping. It really is like, what is this deeper thing that I'm excited about as a human that want to develop within myself? And that's really what, what you're talking about here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I thank you for detailing that so well, because you're right. And what what I'm thinking of when I said things like that is if I'm scrolling on Instagram or like reading really insightful posts from people that I follow or or news articles or things coming up, pop culture moments that have to do with bodies and things like that, or shapewear or whatnot, to me, that is pure enjoyment for me. Yeah, Um, And it's an intellectual exercise as well, you know, and it challenges me to say, like, what is my opinion on this? How do I feel about this? Um, And it doesn't feel like work, but really, if we were like keeping score, we might say, well, that's all part of me as my role as CEO of Thy Society, but yet it's so interconnected with yes. who I am as a person. It's hard to break those two things up.
1: <laughs> I think it does happen for a lot of entrepreneurs. If things become very inter- interconnected. And, and truthfully, that could even be in the corporate space as well. We hear sure. that a lot about how the The delineation of work and life is not as clear anymore.
0: I mean, people can find their purpose in all different ways, yeah. right? And, and work doesn't have to be purpose either. I will say that. That's a fallacy I think we have. And it puts people in, you know, some dark places when they think, oh my gosh, but like work is just work for me. Does it have to be more? Am I less than because work is not more than that? It's like, no, everybody can define what work is for them. Uh, I know you and I, I, think, talked about this in our one of our earlier conversations, which is before starting Thai Society, I really was an intrapreneur which I didn't know was a term back then. I think it's a relatively new term, but I was taking on very entrepreneurial roles in big corporate settings, academic settings, public sector. And I always felt pretty autonomous in what I was doing. And for me, that was enough. If I hadn't thought of the idea for Thy Society, I probably would still be working in that type of environment nowadays. When I think back, sometimes I am nostalgic about being able to shut down my computer at five, six o'clock and then that was it. Didn't have to really yep. think it would work until the next day. But if I'm being honest, I was always that person who was working responding to emails at nine o'clock. You know, I just like to have a clean inbox in the morning. That's sort of my MO. I was fortunate because I think I had autonomy in my work. I never felt like I had to respond to things. I felt like it was because I had that control and power over my workload and workflow. I felt like I had the choice to respond at night. And yeah. I luckily didn't have horrible managers who were breathing down my neck and asking me to work overtime and all of this stuff.
1: But to your point too, I just had this, like this visual of, 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 mm-hmm you know, to your point of, does it have to be connected to my purpose? And what is my purpose? And, and do I have to invest all my time? And I think when we were kids and, you know, I would go to, to baseball practice or I would go to a basketball game or I would go to sewing classes. I did the
0: thing in the moment. What's that look? What is the look? No, I love it. I love the diversity of your activities. I'm like kind of jealous. I wish I could turn back time. <laughs> I did a lot <laughs> of
1: really random things. I, I love I, it. I took, I took sewing classes so many times. Even as an adult, I tried to do it again because I really wanted to be able to sew but I had to make peace with the fact that I'm just not ever, I don't enjoy tedious, repetitive things. Like I just, (laughs) you know, pinning and marking and I just, I hate it. I wish I was, but I'm not. Um, but you know, for that moment that you're at that basketball practice or you're in that Mm -hmm. book club or, or whatever, for that moment, you're present and you're in it and you're learning and you're doing, and then you leave. And that's it. And I think that's really important to remember in your business or when you're researching or when you're learning, whatever, that mm-hmm. it, it, you can be fully present and immersed and you can close down the mental laptop yes. <laughs> and leave
0: and you don't yeah. have to carry it and be thinking about it and doing it all the time. Absolutely. And sometimes that distance will always, not sometimes, that distance I have found through my experience always is when I come up with my best ideas. Right, and exactly. you'll hear people say like, "I was in the shower, and this idea yep. came," and like, "Yep." Because, you know, you just don't know when these ideas are going to pop in and you need sometimes some distance from your business to be able to see it from a different perspective. Otherwise you're basically just navel gazing, you know? Yeah.
1: Silent walks, friends. When I get stuck on something, I go for a quiet, silent walk, right? Or I'm a big believer in just stop. Like I just stop. If I cannot see my way through something, I just don't. I don't take action. I stop and I wait for it to come to me. The answer or a podcast or somebody I meet or just, I, I, I get more information. I get space from it. The other thing too, I find, this is gonna take us off on a, on a big deviation, yeah. is I find myself sometimes pushing myself to do something I don't really want to do, but I feel like I should. <laughs> and I talk a lot about that, you know, right? Yes, I can see your face. Stop. I know. It. I'm you. like, oh yeah. I have an ex- right? mm-hmm. We're not immune. We get going down a path and all of a sudden we're 80% of the way there and we can't figure out what we can't close that last 20%. It's like, cause I don't really want to do this
0: you know? Yes. I, I get it completely. And then it's, you know, procrastination and (laughs) delay, delay, delay. And then maybe if you're someone that works well under pressure, you sort of wait to the last minute and then just hope that you have enough time to get it done. My CFO has always given me, she's been with me for many years and has given me some really good advice since day one, which is as you're running your business, Try to really be mindful of the tasks that you're doing that you enjoy the most. Yeah. Because as you start to grow your business and as you're able to potentially start outsourcing some aspects of it, you're going to want to know which aspects to keep Mm -hmm. for yourself because they're that energy giving, right? Type of activities. And I've always sort of kept that, you know, at the back of my mind when there's things that I really don't like. It's like, oh, some things I don't want to do, but I have to, I try to keep them to a minimum and avoid. And then I make a note or on the positive side, Hey, I really love doing this. I want to do more of this. Yes, but It's not always the most practical. My team jokes with me that I'm our backup developer. Like I, <laughs> I love programming and technology and I'm like, hmm, maybe I'd be a coder. I'd probably make it be a really good. <laughs> <project."> <laughs> and it's like, certainly not efficient for me to be spending my time doing back end website stuff, but yeah. For other people. And that could be the opposite. So just taking note of that, because hopefully you get to a point where you could lean on other people for some support, yeah. or at least then figure out how to manage it yourself. So it's not just this like dreading roadblock every time you face it, right? Chances are in a business, something's going to keep coming up again and again.
1: It, it re- It's so true. Oh my gosh. Just, I'm going to stop us from going down this path. I feel like we yeah. need to come back to another podcast <laughs> and do like <laughs> advice for a growing entrepreneur. Yes. What do I enjoy doing? What do I enjoy doing? But I probably shouldn't be doing I probably right. should yes if if anyone hasn't heard it yet if you go back and listen to the last episode of 2021 I talk about the 15 questions you got to ask yourself before setting your business goals yes go listen to it I'm I'm adding it to yeah. my list some of those things that I ask you are are in there some of those questions that you just brought up to help you really think about yeah. how you're spending your time and what you want to do or not do in the in the new year and so, so this is better late than never you can go listen now and use that's it that's right Rest of this year. So, oh my gosh, Ronnie, we have covered so many things. I cannot wait to tell everybody to come listen to our episode. Hey, <laughs> we've heard <laughs> so much. So, I always have people answer this question for themselves because around here it's the Work Less, Play More podcast. Because for mm-hmm. me, I want to show people how to not work so dang much and go have a life. So I want to hear your answer. Fill in the blank, work less blank more. Do I have to choose just one? No, you use, you're an entrepreneur. You could do whatever you want. <laughs> uh,
0: I would say, uh, work less, walk more like you. I am a walker. Yep. Um, I'm not a silent walker though. I like to put on some good, like dance tune jams. And my second answer was going to be related to that, which is dance more. I love dancing I don't do any dancing in a you know typical capacity I mean I don't haven't been to a club in 100 years plus it's been the pandemic but I did try to learn how to cut shapes during the pandemic which was hilarious like shuffle dancing it's like a very fast way of moving to the beat and it's called cutting shapes or shuffling yeah I sucked at it but (laughs) I loved the music and trying and it was like a break like it took my brain completely out of everything. Yeah, I had to focus on really like deliberately the steps, the step counting, all of that. The beats is what I mean, right? Like, are you on beat? So yeah, work less, walk and dance more. I love it, it would be my answer.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Dance. I, I do little solo dance parties when I feel my energy dropping. If anybody here does a lot of recording courses before you record
0: anything, dance party, get your energy up. Yeah. And just like shake it off. We don't realize how much energy we're storing. And sometimes we're not even conscious of the fact that we just need to move a little bit to expend some of that. So yeah, I'm all for that. Oh my gosh. I love it. All right. So, uh,
1: friends, all of the things that we've talked about today are going to be in the show notes. So there's going to be obviously a link to thigh society. So you can go and check out the slip shorts. We're going to, we're going to leave links. I'll leave link to the podcast I've mentioned as well as all the book recommendations that we had. Marnie, where is the best place for people to connect with you right now?
0: I would say on our Instagram at thigh society.
1: Perfect. Check us out. And if you are somebody who has sensitive thighs with seams or when they rub, please order a pair of your own slip shorts. I got, just got mine in the mail. I'm taking them to Australia with me and I'm looking forward to more gentleness.
0: (laughs) To be able to enjoy your day without thinking about your thighs rubbing together. Without crying, (laughs) Crying. (laughs) oh gosh. Mm -hmm. Oh, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for coming and hanging out with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. It It's a lot of fun. Friends,
1: thank you so much for joining me today. Remember to check out the show notes for all links to the resources that we share. Did you know that I have a 12-month coaching program with weekly group coaching on all things marketing, sales, and business growth for first-time service-based entrepreneurs called Easier Entrepreneurship Club. If you've been working your buns off and not seeing the growth that you know is possible, you need to come join my club. It is the only 12-month program out there that teaches you real, actionable, business skills that work with a business coach, me, and a ridiculously fun community of entrepreneurs supporting you every step of the way. You can find out more at theradicalconnector.com forward slash club. Remember that life is not all about work and I want y'all working less and playing more. Friends, I will see you online.